Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you all ready for the Bible? Okay. I want to share a word with you this morning called Come and Follow Me. And um, I'm going to read to you 2 Peter 1, 18, and then we're going to pray. This is uh, the Apostle Peter who followed Jesus writing to the churches, and this is his comment about after having followed Jesus. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus in power. The reason he's saying that is because he saw Jesus, he was with Jesus, so he was there at his coming. You following along, right? He goes, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Isn't that beautiful? We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter is saying, I had a first row seat to watching Jesus in his majesty minister on this earth. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we love you and we honor you today. And God, it is our privilege to worship you today. Oh, we love you. We love you. Thank you for who you are. You're good. You're good to us. We love you. God, today we open up our ears. We open up our hearts to hear from your Holy Spirit. You're so good at speaking, and God, our hearts are open. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Lord, I pray for the empowerment and the leadership of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your word today. God, that not only will it come through with the authority and the power of your word, but God, that your heart will come through as well. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think Ralph was amen in the service. I like it. Nothing like the baby babble. Ba 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 ba. Ah, I just want to take a moment on behalf of me and Elizabeth, and I want to thank all the people out there who are having babies. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having babies. I I uh, met a new pastor a couple weeks ago, or about a month and a half ago, and um, Elizabeth and I just have I don't know an affinity about people having children. We've had a lot ourselves. We highly recommend it. We love them. And uh, we have an affinity for just encouraging people to have more, more babies, more children. So I met a pastor for the very first time a few weeks ago at another friend's house, and I was talking. I said, how many children do you have? I thought, I said, you could have more. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, hey, I don't know what you're talking. I just met you. Well, a few weeks later, I invited him to a little pastor's gathering, and we were out there, and he looked at me, and he goes, You. And I just told him, I said, it is not my first time, and I own it. I said, you're going to be thankful. (laughs) And they're having another child. This message today is called, Come and Follow Me. It's the phrase that Jesus used um, with the disciples when he called them. Matthew 4 is where we're going to go to first. We're going to read a lot of the Bible today. Isn't that a great thing to do in church? It's to read the Bible, which has so much authority and truth for us today. Matthew 4, I'm going to start in verse 18, and I'm going to read through verse 22. It says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, we just read something that Peter wrote, right? And his brother Andrew. 
They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Would you say, follow me? Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is such a pivotal moment in the lives of these young men. They, they left all they knew. They left it all to follow Jesus. And there's such an emphasis in this little brief snippet of Scripture about the fact that they left something. Even who they left, leaving their father. like They left what they were doing. They, were, they left what they knew. They left... Um, who they were familiar with. They left it all to follow Jesus. What's interesting as well is that the, the disciples that Jesus gathered had a real variety of backgrounds. Um, you had uh, several who were fishermen, and fishermen were, in that day, would have been more like a dock worker, like that rough and strong and ruddy kind of like personality. Like you had to have some thickness to your skin to be a fisherman uh, for a living. You had a tax collector in Matthew. I'm sure that he was not popular uh, in, in their day because tax collectors were infamous for not only taking tax for the Roman government, but also for taking some for themselves as well. I'm sure um, his... Um, his onboarding onto the team probably took a little bit of time. Um, then you got Simon the Zealot, who was, if you will, like the political activist. I really think it's funny. Like, did Simon the Zealot and the Roman tax collector Matthew like sit next to each other often, like at meetings and stuff with Jesus, or or were they separate? And then of course you've got Judas, who's in his own category apparently. Um, Jesus calls these people from very different backgrounds just like he calls us together from very different backgrounds to be a team, to be his team, team Jesus. So if you're looking around in church or you're looking around in your life group and you go, that person is different than me, you are in the right place. I'm so impressed by the quickness and the completeness of their response to Jesus. It's just so impressive. At once they left their nets. At once, right? Like, like immediately they left their boat and their father. There was no hesitation whatsoever. I don't know about you, but I want to grow up to be a follower who has no hesitation. You know what I'm talking about? Like when Jesus says something, like I don't think about it. I don't have to pray about it more. I don't have to wonder if it was the pizza the night before. Like I just say yes to Jesus. Would you like to do that in your life? Just just say yes to Jesus. Now I want to take you to another scripture in Luke chapter 18. And I want to show you a different kind of interaction. I tell you online, I wish, I wish that you, we had a microphone today for Ralph. Because Ralph is preaching the word as I am preaching the word, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm half tempted, Jeremy, just to just give them a little microphone there. They can hear just a little bit. It is really amazing. And if we had, like, cameras that turned and everything, we would give you 
Anyhow. Y'all, and now Ralph is laughing. For Ralph, we call that in preaching a commercial. Ralph has provided a commercial for us. Ah, I'm taking. All right, Luke 18, verses 18 through 25 says this. A certain ruler asked him, this is the rich young ruler, who responds very differently to Jesus. He says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. I wonder if in that moment, if the rich young ruler was on the edge of his seat, if you will, I lack one thing. Isn't Jesus so cool the way he can, like, pull you in? One thing. Everybody leans in. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into heaven. When this rich young ruler, now this is within Jesus' ministry, like the the disciples have been following for a while, like this is like midstream, if you will, not at the very beginning, like when Jesus called the disciples. Remember, when Jesus calls the disciples, he hasn't really gotten started yet, right? So now the rich young ruler is coming along at a different period of ministry. He's heard the stories. He's probably seen some things that Jesus has done. So this isn't exactly the same in comparison. It's further down. But this rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus, and he wanted to obtain eternal life. How do I obtain it? What, what must I do? What will it take? What is the process? What are the hoops I need to jump through, right? If I, if, if I can do this, um, if I know what I need to do, I will do what is required. And it, it was like he had checked all the good boxes of being good, right? Like, like okay, don't sleep with people who aren't your wife, check. Don't murder, check. Don't steal uh, or lie about your neighbor, check, check. Honor your parents, check. Check, 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 check. It's like I, I'm all the good, all the good people things are there. Lots of gold stars from the first grade teacher and everyone, right? He's done the good stuff. In one way, that might have built like some confidence in the rich young ruler, like I'm a good person. It almost feels a bit self-righteous, to be honest with you. However, if he's already done all those check the boxes, why is he there? Why is he asking? Because at some level, he knows something is missing. Y'all, that's a lot of our friends and neighbors and people we care about around us. Good people, I'm missing something. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying that with a sharp edge. I'm saying that with a, there's something in them that says, something's missing. Something is missing. He's checked 
checked off the box of I'm a good person, apparently, but he desires eternal life. Um, but ultimately, what's happening here is he's holding on to self, and he's holding on to control. Because Jesus says to him, he says, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. What's always funny to me is the one thing. What is the one thing? Well, Jesus mentions two things. I get annoyed myself because I'm very analytical. Well, hold on, Jesus. It's two things that you mentioned, but you said that's one thing. And the reason is, is because the two are tied together to be one. Jesus is helping him see that the one thing, follow me, was an issue. And the way that he showed him that the follow me was an issue was he asked him to sell everything he had to highlight the fact that he wasn't really ready to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is where it's at. Is it, isn't it interesting that like the disciples didn't get a lot of details? I don't know about you. I remember when I was going to go into the military uh, as a high school student, and I went and, and interviewed with all of the, at the end of my junior year before my senior year of high school, all of the military, like the Army, Navy, uh, Air Force, uh, Marines, and I, I talked with all the recruiters, and man, I wanted information, and I was tracking, okay, who's going to guarantee me a job, right? Like, I want, because I, I had real aspirations. I wanted to go into the military, and I wanted to be an accountant in the military, can you imagine how much my friends made fun of me in high school? <laughs> Nothing wrong with being an accountant. Who, who says I want to go to the military to be an accountant? Man, my buddies had a field day with me. But I wanted to know. I was at that age in my life like, okay, if I'm going to commit my life to this many years and I'm going to do this, I want to know the things. And it was the Marine Corps that was like, you are going to get that job of being an accountant. I'm thinking, yeah, no one else wants it. Yeah, we're going to give it to you. Um, we'll guarantee you that job. But, like, I needed to know what I was signing up for. Jesus comes to these disciples, and he just says, come, follow me. Stop. That's it. They think that Peter was probably married and that the other disciples um, who were following Jesus were likely unmarried. Can you imagine when Peter went home that night? <laughs> I think you can. It was an interesting conversation. See, the thing is, like, with the rich young ruler, and we're comparing these disciples who come and follow Jesus at the beginning of his ministry without a lot of information just to come and follow me, and this rich young ruler who's given the same option at a different stage in life says, sell everything you have, which is very similar to walk away from your family and walk away from your business and walk away from the things that you were doing to follow me. It's just that it happens that the rich young ruler has more, Right? Jesus makes the same encouragement, come, follow me. But the problem is he, the rich young ruler needed to main, contain, or maintain control of his riches. He, he more than hesitates. Remember, the disciples didn't hesitate. He more than hesitates. He ends up going away sad. Why is he sad? Because he has all these riches. But I would tell you today, he didn't have the riches, the riches had him. In his desire to maintain control of his life, 
that which he desired to maintain control of ended up controlling him. All right, are you all ready for a challenge? Do you have a one thing? Do you have a one thing that you have to control in life? A one thing that's more important to you than the Lord. A one thing that holds you back from giving your whole heart. A one thing that, that keeps you in a place where, yeah, I, I love God and I want to be with God. And I think there was a lot of sincerity in the rich young ruler. There was a lot of like, I, I want the kingdom. I want eternal life. There, there was, there's a lot of good things. It's not a bad thing to come to Jesus and say, I want eternal life, right? I mean, that's a good thing. And yet, do we have like a one thing, maybe, maybe a relationship in our life that, that is like the one thing that like, like I, I love God, but I, I need to know that I can keep this and, and have it the way that I want it. Or maybe there's a position at work that's like your, our, our one thing. It, um, maybe there's a, uh, even a sin in our life that like we're not willing to give up or we struggle with or because we feel so defeated with it, it's just like I, I don't really, I just want to keep it separate because it just makes me feel shame or I just want to, to go in that direction. Or, you know, is there, is there a one thing in your life that is holding you back from giving everything? And I just want to encourage you today that that one thing isn't worth it. It isn't, it isn't worth anything standing in between you and him. And I'll tell you, often the one thing becomes the main thing. And the one thing often becomes the controlling thing. Now, you don't need to like search and, and like go into your home and like search every nook and cranny. If you've got something that holds you back from giving everything to Jesus, you're going to know what it is. Like you don't have to like go search for it and figure it out and that kind of thing. You just know it and it, it just kind of, it's like a throbbing. Like it's just there. But I'm telling you today, I believe that if you've got that one thing and if you're feeling that throbbing, Jesus has come today to set you free from it. He didn't, he didn't bring a word today to beat you. He brought a word today to free you. You know what's amazing about the disciples and about the situation with the rich young ruler? I was doing some research, and I was kind of curious about, like, so how old were the disciples, and, like, what season of life were they in, and all of that kind of thing, and what was kind of the scenario? And having, just doing a little bit of reading, it, it, this is what it appears to look like. Um, in, in the movies, all the disciples are like 30, like Jesus, right? And that's not the case. Jesus was like a legit rabbi, like a legit teacher, right? And so what happened was a rabbi would go to younger men and make an offer for them to be their student. And only the best of the best got this offer. Like, you had to be really well-trained. Of course, you remember, they would make fun of Jesus saying, ain't he from Galilee and, like, his people from Galilee? Like, the well-educated people aren't from that part of the country, right? And so there's, there's this whole, like, where they're from and their accent and, like, and the, being able to tell their backgrounds. Well, the, this group of men that they're recruiting, if you will, Peter is likely the oldest of the disciples. They guess he was somewhere in his early 20s, maybe 20 years old, maybe a few years older. The rest of the disciples, they think they were probably under 20, probably even under the age of 18. Y'all, it was youth group. 
and Peter. And they had all this variety of background. But here's the thing. If a rabbi came to your son and said, I want to teach your son, man, a family would do everything they could to make that happen financially. Because it was such an honor to have a rabbi come after your son. Because you see, their education in that season of life was all about an education about your soul and about your righteousness and about goodness and those kind of things. And it made me think about education. And when I was, after I'd written the message, I thought, a lot of our education today focuses on, on knowledge and information, but are we training character and righteousness? I'm not saying, are we, tra- are we training um, religiousness or um, are we training a, um, a legalisticness? The idea of training in, in just righteousness, in let's just make the good decision rather than the bad decision. It's really interesting to me, but these were younger people. And so it's so impressive the way that these young men, and it seems like even when they were pulled in was a little later than other people would have been pulled in by a rabbi. And there's such a variety of ages and a variety of people like Jesus' team of disciples who were learning after him frankly look different than probably other rabbis. What they would do is really different too. And what Jesus would do as a rabbi is really different as well, right? So when I look at what they gave up, I'm always really impressed. But the other side of it is that offer would have been a, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of offer for these folks. Because it would have only been the best of the best students. And we're just going to guess that Jesus wasn't picking them because they got straight A's. Isn't that interesting? But you see, that's you and I. He's not, he's not combing over your records to see who's got the highest marks. He's combing over your heart and saying, who's willing to give me your heart? And so these disciples, they left it all and they followed Jesus. They didn't have a lot of information to go on at this point. This rich young ruler, it's further along. Jesus has done miracles. Jesus has done all these amazing things. And Jesus has made the offer to him, come and follow me. And he declines because his money's got him. But more than the money, there's a control that he needs to keep. The challenge is, it's what's controlling him and trying to control it. It's really a powerful, powerful thing to put those things together and to look at that. It would have been a great opportunity for this rich young ruler as well. I want to take you to one more scripture, Luke chapter 19. I, I just I love these kind of three scriptures set next to each other and the difference in how people respond. I want to read to you about Zacchaeus in, in Luke 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector and he was wealthy. He he went, excuse me, he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short. He could not see over the crowd. I know y'all are wondering if I'm going to sing. So he ran ahead and climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anyhow, kids ministry, you got to love it. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, 
you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Or anyhow, he said, Zacchaeus, you come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to the house to be a guest of the sinner. We're going to stop right there at verse 7 for a moment. So what's happening is this tax collector who's typically rejected in culture, people don't like him, right? And he's a short tax collector who has to climb a tree just to see Jesus. Jesus sees what he's doing. I mean, this is like not what people do. Men don't climb trees to see Jesus. Like he's just kind of like, you know, maybe he thinks everybody already doesn't like me. So, you know, just get up in the tree. So he gets up in the tree and Jesus says, I'm going to your house. And of course we know when Jesus goes to the house of a tax collector, everybody's like, why has he got to hang out with tax collectors, right? Why has he got to go to their house, right? So this is what happens when he goes into the house of the tax collector, which the tax collector would have thought, this is an amazing honor. He is in my house Verse 7, again, says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, this story stands out in contrast so much because Zacchaeus volunteers to give half of his money to the poor. And then he volunteers to make restitution to the people that he has cheated out of money. I mean, this is a picture of repentance. This is a a picture of divesting yourself of everything that you have to follow Jesus. It's a picture of what the fact that he wants to follow Jesus in his heart and in his mind. What's amazing to me is that Jesus didn't even ask him to do it. He stands up and he just makes this declaration in front of whoever is there. And he says, I'm going to give half of my money to the poor. I wonder if he didn't give the other half because it was going to take the other half just to make restitution to people he had stolen from. I don't know. But like, there, he's like, all of this, this act, Jesus didn't say anything. The tax collector didn't say to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He just had a heart change and just said, I'm going to do all these things. And Jesus says, salvation has come to your house today. Man, I, I want that to be my heart. Don't you want that to be your heart? A heart that just says, I don't want anything to stand in front of me just following Jesus and whatever that means in my life. You know, supposedly the rich young ruler is, is just this really good person, but Zacchaeus is known to be a bad person, if you will, categorically, right? And in that day and age and in that culture, if you had money and you were religious, people just thought you were probably really righteous and really good because God has blessed you, and that's why you have all the money, right? That Zacchaeus would have been firmly in the other, the other column, right? He would have been firmly in the, we don't like you, you steal from us, you're a traitor, like all those kind of things. And yet, whose encounter, whose encounter has the fruit of transformation? It's the encounter of Zacchaeus. I find that so encouraging because here's the thing. It doesn't matter where you are today. He's coming to your house today, right? It doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made in the past. It doesn't matter the sins of the past. What matters is 
What do you do today with Jesus? I just, I want to encourage you. Don't let anything hold you back or hold on to you. Don't hold on to anything that will hold you back in your relationship with Jesus. It is just so overrated. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever might be standing between you and him, whatever thing, and I feel like I I need to say this. I think for some people, maybe it's not that you're holding on to something that you want to control, but maybe you've had an experience in your life that you don't understand, and until you get that solved, you feel like you can't move forward fully. And I want to just gently say that when we do that, we take our knowledge, our understanding, and our experience, and we hold it over the head of God. And then we're not letting him be God. We're trying to force him into something. I want to know whatever it is that you're holding on to, if that's you, he cares, it matters, it's significant, he has an answer, but we follow him. And we allow him to reveal to us. And it's not healthy for him to be on your timetable and on your demands. It's healthy for you to say, I trust you so much, God, that I'm going to take this thing that's very important. I'm not going to let it be controlling. And I'm going to trust that you care and trust that you speak. And just let God reveal what he needs to reveal in his time. Sometimes it's our grip around that experience. And we don't realize that now it's gripping us. We just need to just say, God, I'm not going to let this be my one thing. I trust you. I don't understand the one thing. I trust you. You know, today, if you're in that place, I, when I was, I was writing the message I, this week, I, I just kept thinking back to the time when I um, gave my heart to the Lord um, at the age of 17, just about to be 18 which I just celebrated my 29th birthday as a Christian. Which pretty soon I think I'm going to like just start going by that birthday rather than the other one. You can start doing the math and figure out where I am or you can look at my head. Um, but the most pivotal moment in my whole life, and here's, here was my struggle. My struggle as a teenager was I knew he wanted everything. But I wasn't sure if he was there. And so I, I was, went through this journey of, like, I needed to know that he was there. <laughs> and, but then once I knew he was there, I realized that he wanted it all. And I got to tell you, his invitation, come and follow me, his invitation to him being your rabbi, your teacher, is the greatest honor any of us have that he would ask us to come and follow him. And so really, this is a no-brainer. This is a no-hesitation moment. There's nothing that would hold us back because what an honor to come and follow Jesus. If, If maybe you're in the place where you've not made that decision in your life, or maybe you've set that decision aside and you just need to fully commit your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. If there's a one thing that's, that's been in your way, 
I'm going to pray for you in a moment to set it aside. But if, you're, if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus today, which means it's just saying, Jesus, I take my life. I, I don't want to be the one in charge. I want to come and follow you. I do need your forgiveness of sins. And I recognize that your death on the cross was the payment for my sins. And I thank you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. If you're making that decision today... It, I want to know about it. If you're in the in-person service, I want you to come talk to me. If you're uh, watching online today, um, I want to ask you if you'd go to victorychristian.church, the website, victorychristian.church, click on Next Steps, and tell us about it because we want to reach back out to you because it's the greatest decision you ever make in your life. It's the most important decision you'll make in your life. I want to pray for those who are making that decision, and then in a moment I'm going to pray for us who we have a one thing, we just got to let it go. Father, I pray for those today who just feel compelled that they need to make a decision for Jesus today. They need to turn their heart over to Jesus today. And Lord, it is such a great and a privilege, Lord, to say, I want to come and follow you, Lord Jesus. It's so honoring that you would invite us. And Lord, I pray for those today who are turning their hearts to you. And I ask God, forgive us all our sins. And Lord, lead us and direct us, and train us, and help us to know you, and trust you, and to have a full relationship with you. God, we love you, and you are so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to read this scripture again to you before I pray. I love this scripture. Remember, Peter immediately followed Jesus, and here's what he writes in his letter. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. I want to tell you today, I believe that word, we are eyewitnesses to his majesty, is for each of us. I think he wants each and every one of us in our lifetime, before we ever get to heaven, to be eyewitnesses of his majesty in our families, in our lives, in our hearts. Eyewitnesses of his glory and his majesty. I want to encourage you today. I'm going to pray for you. If you have a one thing, if you got a one thing that is just something you got to let go, I'm going to pray, pray with you right now. I just want to, let, I want to encourage you. Let it go. There's a grace right now for you to let that go and to trust him. If you're in the in-person service, would you stand with me? If you're watching at home, you can stand on your couch or just kidding. Whatever you prefer. I want to pray with you today. Would you just extend your hands to the Lord? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I'm so impressed that God, when you say come and follow me, there's not a lot of words afterwards. There's not a brow beating. And there's a, it's an invitation. Today we say, God, we want to follow you. We want to follow you. We want to follow you. And let nothing, let nothing hold us from following you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you today. God, for those today who the one thing is throbbing right now. It's just throbbing. In the name of Jesus, we release it. We release the one thing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. God, we rebuke and refute every thought 
that wants to condemn because there's a one thing. You have come with grace and mercy and set us free from the one thing. No holding back. Nothing standing before us in you. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for receiving us completely. And Lord, we say today, like it says in a song of song, I am yours and you are mine. I am yours and you are mine. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.